Hello everyone, and welcome to episode number 21 of the Building Strength Podcast. Today's Thursday, it's 8.30 in the morning. I just recorded a failed podcast episode, so this is the second attempt. So, this is the latest I've ever recorded the podcast. I usually try to get it out on the Wednesday night. It's now Thursday morning. So it didn't happen last night. It almost didn't happen today. But here it is. We're going for it. So, quick rundown on what's happened today so far. I did a small group session at 6.30 a.m. Shoutouts to all the people who train early in the morning. It's, a t- it's always tough to get there, but when you're done, it feels great. So, we got a couple of good questions today. Question number one is, is waking up early in the morning easy for you? <laughs> no, it's not easy. Some days it is, but most days it's not. So, just a quick rundown on my own schedule. Four or five days of the week, I train clients at 6.30 a.m., which usually means I need to get up around 5 or 5.30 to get ready in the morning. So, first things first, going to bed at a timely manner is key. So, If I know I have to get up at 5 or 5.30, the latest that I should be in bed is around 12. Ideally earlier, but that's what I currently do. So I'll try to get to bed by 12. Some days it ends up being 1. I never really push it past 1.30. But most days I'm sleeping anywhere from 10 p.m. to 12 30 a.m. That's when I go to bed. And then most mornings I'm waking up from 5 to 5.30. So it usually gives me 5 hours on a bad day and 7 hours on a great day of sleep. Um, so going to bed at a timely manner is really, really important. That is the first step. That's pretty much like the biggest step. I do set some alarms. Today I actually last night I forgot to set an alarm. So today I actually woke up at 4 around 4:50 on my own. I've definitely noticed like over the past 6 months that my body has been getting used to waking up so early. A lot of the times I'll wake up before my alarm or just as my alarm is about to go off. So I find that the body definitely gets used to it. The body enjoys the routine of getting up at the same time and going to bed around the same time. You just want to keep that natural circadian rhythm going. So I do set a couple alarms. I have three alarms. I set one for 4.45, 5 a.m. and 5.15 a.m. And what this does for me is that I get to turn the first one off. So it just lets me know. 4.45 a.m. alarm goes off. It just lets me know, okay, you've got 15, 20 minutes max to 
to fuck around. So I'll turn it off. I usually go back to sleep. And then I'll wake up again around 5, 5.15 when that second and third alarm goes off. So at that point, it's usually, if it's a good day, I'll jump out of bed and get on with the morning routine. If it's a rough day, I'll probably spend 5 to 10 minutes debating on why the hell I'm getting up. Do I get up? Should I just cancel my whole life? And then I usually get up. First things first, let me get into my morning routine now. So waking up in the morning, some days it's easy, most days it's not. I don't really have any like tips for it other than you better have a good enough reason to get up that morning, I guess. Um, I think it's hard for everyone across the board to get up in the morning. Um, so in terms of ease of waking up, make sure you sleep at an appropriate time. Make sure you have a good enough reason to get up and then just do it. In terms of my morning routine, I'll get out of bed. I'll immediately drink water. So I go with two glasses of water in the morning. First thing in the morning, two glasses of water. And then I'll use the washroom. Um, it also depends on the morning. Some mornings I have a lot of time, some I don't. This morning I didn't, so I'm about to do my morning routine after this podcast. I like to spend five minutes on a journal. I like to spend 10 minutes reading some, like whatever book I'm reading. Currently I'm reading the 10x rule rereading the 10x rule by grant cardone so i read that it puts me in the right mindset for the day and then i don't read i don't eat in the morning so i do the water use the washroom get all that stuff done if i'm taking a shower this that morning i'll finish it off with about 30 seconds to 60 seconds of cold water and that really wakes you up. Once you accomplish that, once you overcome that, you're set. Like the morning's solid. So I got the water, got the washroom, got the cold shower, the cold exposure. I'll do a bit of reading. And usually I have a coffee, but the last week I've been playing around with not having, co having a coffee immediately in the morning. And it's been okay, actually. Um, I'm trying to move away from, you know, you have to have the coffee to feel normal. I don't think that's a super healthy practice to have. So that's what I'm currently trying. Another thing I try, I'm trying in the morning is salt intake. So why do I drink two glasses of water upon waking? So assuming you've slept for six to eight hours... That means your body is literally dehydrated when you wake up. You're like dehydrated as fuck. As dehydrated as you could be for six to eight hours. So that means your brain is not functioning optimally. Your body's not functioning optimally. You're just not functioning as well as you could be. 
So if you're trying to go to work in the morning or if you're trying to go to the gym or you're getting your kids ready for school and you have got to bring them to school, you're not going to be feeling that great if you're dehydrated. So water intake is key. So what I was mentioning with salt, something I've been playing around with, if I feel extra tired or if I know I'm training in the morning, I'll have a pinch of sea salt with my water and what that does is that the salt will help you hold water better so that it'll actually increase your like your hydration so things like carbohydrates and salt hold water obviously i mentioned i don't eat so i do the salt and it has made a big difference i haven't tried it for too long it's been about four weeks or so and I don't do it every day as well. So that's something I'm playing around with. Lots of research is coming out saying that salt is actually not as bad as we've made it out to be. Um, salt is actually very helpful and actually very essential for us to function properly. So that's the morning routine. I have my alarms. I get out of bed have some water, get all the washroom stuff done, get the reading done, and then hit some journaling. And then I'm off. I'm at the gym by 6, 6.15. I'll set up for whatever sessions I'm setting up that day. And then if I have a chance, I will do some mobility flows for two to three minutes before the clients come in. And actually, I make my bed in the morning. That's something that's the new year's resolution that has stuck so that's something i've been doing for the last four months now i make my bed in the morning it literally takes 10 seconds and it's the first win of the day it's the first it's the easiest and the first win of the day so it's just all about building that momentum right and now that i've like built this habit into my lifestyle um, when I don't make the bed, like some days I don't, right? You know, I'm not 100% on it. But some days I don't make it and then I'll leave and I'll, I'll like critique myself as the day starts. I'm like, damn, I didn't make that bed this morning. I couldn't even do that. Like what's wrong with me? It would have taken less than 30 seconds, right? So that's something I've been doing. I found that to be very helpful. The saying goes, if you want to change the world, make your bed. So that's my morning routine. Um, in terms of tips for waking up, I don't really have any. Like there's one thing I do that if I'm sleeping really late and I know I'm absolutely fucked. Like if there's, if you set the alarm and it says four hours until you have to wake up, you already know you're fucked. Or if it's like anything less than that too, right? So one thing that I'll do is that I will crush so much water. Say it's 1 a.m., 2 a.m., and I have four hours to sleep. And I know that waking up will be a struggle. I'm not sure if this is like scientifically backed, but I drink like two to three cups of water before I go to sleep. Like I drink so much water because... Then when I wake up, I wake up because I need to pee. So 
now I don't even have a chance to lie around in bed because I have I had so much water the night before that I need to get up to use the washroom. So that's really the only tip I have for waking up early. As I said, it doesn't really get it does get easier. You do get used to it. But it's I would never say it's easy to get up in the morning. But you still do it. So, second question. One of my clients has a young kid. Obviously, he's too young for he's like 4. So that's too young, but it's a good question regardless. He asked, should my kid be strength training? So let's let's uh, give some context here. We're gonna we're gonna be talking about kids anywhere from age six to eighteen. So should my kid be strength training? First of all, I think the wording. The phrase strength training is almost inappropriate for younger kids, for like anywhere from 6 to 12. Slightly inappropriate, I would call it physical preparation. So, yes, I do believe that kids from 6 to 18 should be in some kind of formal physical preparation practice. Why? Why did I choose to say physical preparation versus strength training? Because when we're thinking about strength training, we're we're thinking about barbells. That's just what we think, right? It's like when you say the word God, people are going to imagine this person who looks like what we think God or Jesus should look like. So strength training, people always, you know, assume barbell on your back, deadlifting from the floor. Yes, that is strength training, but that's not going to be appropriate for the younger population. So when we're talking about physical preparation, we're really just thinking about preparing them physically for whatever activities they're going to be in, whatever sports they're playing, and in general, just for life. So in my mind, we want to teach the kids how to squat with their body weight and at most, maybe with a dumbbell in front of them. We want to teach the kids how to hinge at the hips. Um, that could be like kettlebell deadlifts or just picking stuff, uh, picking a sandbag off the ground. You know, symbols, fundamental stuff. We want to teach the kids how to lunge properly, how to do a proper push-up, how to do a chin-up or a body row, as well as a shit ton of farmer's carries, Loaded carries, all of that is great. And a lot of sled work. Prowler pushes, sled drags backwards, forwards, sideways. Kids are not going to get hurt doing farmer's carries or sled drags or sled pushes. So the risk to reward ratio is very high in those activities. So why I think physical preparation is so key is that if you really think about it, say you have a 12-year-old kid and they're in they're playing competitive volleyball or football. So they're playing 2 hours a day, 
five to six days a week. How are you not going to give them some kind of physical preparation training? Like you're like doing your kid a huge disservice by not having them learn how to move properly before they participate or while they participate in all of these sports. So in general, activity is a great thing. Like diversifying the type of activity they're doing is really good. For me personally, I had a really good physical activity background growing up since the age seven, eight, lots of sports camps, lots of diversified activity, running, sprinting, jumping, crawling, cutting, um, lots, just lots of activity. And I think it's even more important in this day and age, because if you look at kids born today versus kids born 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, there's a massive difference in their physical and mental capabilities. It's no one's fault. Like you can't really blame any one thing because it's just the nature of our lives. Um, we're very technology, technologically driven, lots of sitting happening, lots of sedentary activity, like not even activity, just lots of sedentary time. So what I'm saying is that yes, throw your kids into as many activities as you can diversify that activity make sure they're playing a multitude of sports as well as some kind of formal movement practice um, i think the best way to go about this let me give you some suggestions so if you do have kids or if you're planning to have kids in the future i think there are a couple really key um, activities that they should be doing talked about this with a few clients this morning one client said swimming is a key swimming is a must i do think swimming is really important just in terms of life in terms of physical preparation though i would go more for something like gymnastics or some kind of martial arts is really good as well and then maybe even some kind of dance but the martial arts and gymnastics are really good because it's a it's really good for hand-eye coordination and just general motor control as well as relative body strength so when we're talking about kids as i said it's just about relative body strength they're not looking to do anything with absolute strength yet right like i don't care how much an eight-year-old can barbell squat that's not the point it's how how well can this eight-year-old do lunges can they control themselves while they're squatting? Can they pick something up with a flat back? Um, can they do chin-ups? How many bodyweight chin-ups can they do? How many bodyweight push-ups can they do? So when it comes to kids, it's just about relative body weight, relative strength, and exploring many ranges of motion so that they know they can do it. I want to go back to what I said about motor control. Motor control is just like your ability to control your body, right? 
your ability to for your brain to tell your hand that okay this is what we're gonna go grab or this is what we're gonna throw or catch and when I said earlier you're doing your kid a huge disservice by not a putting them into a variety of activities and B not putting them into a formal movement practice because now when I train I get a lot of like 20 year olds 30 year olds even who just can't move like they haven't used their body in that way they've never used their body in that way and as the saying goes it's easier to repair nope that's not how the saying goes as the saying goes it's easier to build up strong boys rather than repair broken men so it's easier to build up strong children rather than repairing broken adults so that's what i feel like i'm doing currently just like lots of repairing broken adults i do want to get to a point or even now i want to start training younger the younger population i think there's a lot of potential there i think it's very underserved um, I just think it's really important, like teaching movement, movement literacy. So again, I was talking to some clients about this today. What kind of activities they did as kids? Were they athletic? Did they participate in team sports? And then we got into a conversation regarding the schooling system and different schools organizing their education in different ways. And I mentioned that I don't think there's like a perfect schooling system. Like it's really hard because you're catering to thousands and thousands and millions of kids, right? But I do think what's really important is the parenting that goes on after school. So I was really lucky. Like my parents were on point they kept my head straight they taught me a lot and i really just have them to thank for where i am today but in terms of parenting yes the kids go to school from nine in the morning to four in the afternoon but what are they doing what are they learning from four in the afternoon to ten in the at night and I'm not just talking about extracurricular activities like overbooking your kid for math class, tutoring, basketball, swimming, martial arts. That's one aspect of it, but I think an often underserved and underprioritized and just it's not talked about a lot is the schooling that's happening at the dinner table or in the living room or in the backyard and what i always reflect on is the fact that my family ate dinner together every single night uh, we would wait for my father to come home before that i'd be chilling in the kitchen with my mom helping her out preparing dinner so it was like from 5 p.m to 
7, 7.30 p.m. was dinner. We would eat, we would talk, uh, we'd clean up together after, and then we would usually hang out more and talk more. Um, so I, I distinctly remember at a certain age, like 14, 15, 16, from like 16 to 21, those family dinners were very, very formative for me. I just remember like starting to become more interested in topics around money, around banks, around mortgages, around moral ethics. And just having my that open line of communication with my parents, um, that was really, really beneficial for me because I pretty much asked them about anything like, Oh, how does your mortgage work? Like, what are you paying? How do you, how much do you pay a month? How long are you paying that for? Oh my God, that's crazy. Anyway, so stuff like that, anything, right? Or like moral ethics, say something happened on the news and my dad was really into this stuff. Um, he, we would talk about like, I guess more philosophical topics. So that was very helpful for me. And even younger, right? Like even when you can't, or you're not quite there yet to talk about those things. It was stuff like, you know, it was other stuff, more simple stuff. But anyway, I just think that parenting is a huge thing in this whole, it's, it's really everything, right? Like I always say, if your kid's fucked by the time they're 16, that it's too late. So really taking that opportunity from age zero to age 15, 16 to shape, to help shape your kid, to help push them into that right direction. And going back to movement and physical preparation, that might be something that parents need to take on as well because in school they're learning, they have literacy for English or languages, they have mathematics science geography history all that all that stuff right it's not bad but is there any kind of movement literacy i like that term a lot movement literacy like your basic understanding of how to move your body in space and i think that's a huge thing that's lacking today i think that's a huge opportunity for coaches out there as well as myself I really want to start to get into that youth population to make changes and to make a positive impact in that space. And I had just learned about this the other day, but there's someone, someone who's big in the industry now, his father was like the athletic director in his state. So say the athletic director of, I guess, Toronto. And they're basically in charge of the phys ed education from grade one to grade 12. And that's such a powerful position. As in like you can help and set up the phys ed system so that positive changes can be made. So that these formal movement practices that I'm thinking about or that I'm talking about 
can be executed. So back to the original question, should your kid train? Yes, they should. Either one, the first step, the easiest step would be to get them into, say, two different kinds of activities. Um, soccer, basketball, volleyball, gymnastics, martial arts. It doesn't matter. Whatever your kid's into or you think they'd be into, give it a shot. That's A. B would be to get into a formal movement practice, especially if your kid is at a maybe more advanced level. But either way, your kid should be getting some kind of formal movement practice. Learning the same foundational movements that we do as adults. So foundational movements such as squatting, hinging, pulling, pushing, lunging, and then carrying shit. Your kids should be learning the same thing. Again, just think about it like this. If you're putting your kid into intense volleyball practice two hours a day, six days a week, football practice, two hours a day, six days a week, intense, why, why is there no attention being given to preparing your kid for those physical demands? With that being said, I'm going to leave it there. We're at about 30 minutes here. I'm very glad I got this done. I really almost skipped this week. So there it is, episode number 21 of the Building Strength Podcast. I hope you guys took away some things on how to optimize your morning routine, how to wake up earlier if you're trying to, and if you have kids how to help them become better humans, help them learn how to move better. If you're in Toronto and you have kids, I would love to help them out. Like, just bring them with you. If I train you, bring your kid. I'll help your kid out. With that being said, thank you guys for listening. As always, thank you. Please share the podcast if you enjoy them if you think other people would enjoy them, or if you think it would be helpful for them. If you haven't already subscribed, subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't rated the podcast on iTunes, please do so. It would be much appreciated. Guys, I don't make any money off of this. So really just spreading the word, helping out other people, Um, So things like reviewing it on iTunes, these things do help. They do make an impact. Thank you again, and I will catch you all next time. Peace.